The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are simply that, opinions. All are presumed innocent until proven otherwise in a court of law. Sensitive topics are discussed. Discretion is advised. On this week's Court TV podcast, after just a few hours of deliberations, the jury in the Curtis Reeves murder trial returned with a verdict of not guilty on all charges. Court TV's Ted Rollins joins me with full coverage of the dramatic final moments, including thoughts from free man Curtis Reeves. This is the Court TV podcast with Vinnie Politan. I'm Vinny Politan. Thanks so much for downloading the Court TV podcast. And in this podcast, we've got to deal with uh, the unexpected. You know, when you cover a trial, you know, when you're when you're a uh, person like me who's been doing this for years, we get a little jaded and we kind of expect certain things to happen. And, and when they don't, it is it is surprising. I always say I never know what a jury's going to do. Um, but this one, this one really did. Take me back a little bit. I, I, I'm, I'm surprised. I'm talking about the movie Popcorn Murder Trial. And Curtis Reeves, eight years ago, shot and killed a man in a movie theater. There was an argument that began when the man he shot was using his cell phone. And, you know, two different versions of who was yelling at who or who was being more rude. But it all started when Curtis Reeves pointed out to Chad Olson that he was using his cell phone during the movie previews. Reeves goes to a manager, and then when he comes back from talking with the manager, the argument sort of continues, not clear who who was at fault here. But then at some point, Chad Olson, according to Curtis Reeves, throws his cell phone at him and then grabs his popcorn, throws it in his face, and as the popcorn is falling to the ground, Curtis Reeves shoots and kills Chad Olson. Curtis Reeves claimed self-defense. The prosecution said it was murder. And the jury spoke. Take a listen. Verdict. We, the jury, finds as follows. The defendant is not guilty. So say we all this 25th day of February, 2022, juror number two, four person. In the courts of the 6th Judicial Circuit in and for Pasco County, Florida, State of Florida versus Curtis Jetson Reeves, Case number 2014, CF 216-CF-AXES, information four, count two, aggravated battery. Verdict, we the jury find as follows. The defendant is not guilty. So say we all, this 25th day of February, 2022, juror number two, four person. What a moment. What a moment. Completely shocking. And and what it did to Nicole Olson, Chad Olson's widow, who was there that day, testified in the case and waited eight years for this. She was she was breaking down and she quickly, quickly was escorted out of the courtroom and out of the courthouse and into her car. And it was devastating for her. Uh, but jubilation on the other side of the courtroom. Let me bring in. Um, my fellow anchor from Court TV, Ted Rollins, does the mornings for us on Court TV. Ted, this was a, a late-night Friday verdict. It only took him about three hours and change, so it was a relatively quick verdict, but it was a quick not guilty. Uh, where were you while this was happening? I know where I was. I was watching it on, on the set. I don't know if you were able to watch it live or 
if you got my text message. I was watching it live. Um, I was on the couch and um, sitting with my wife and thought, all right, we're going to watch the jury come back with a guilty verdict. It only took them three hours. Makes sense. You know, just, I just watched the what I thought was a fantastic closing argument that boiled it all down and in a way that to me was so just effective in my mind and boom was i wrong the jury completely um because you you mentioned it you know it was only three hours this wasn't a drawn out fight they disagreed with the state's premise that this was not self-defense and i i was shocked uh, i i was shocked I, and i hate to admit it because you should we should we should go into these thinking well anything can happen like you said um for whatever reason, watching this trial, I thought the state had a great case and I thought they did a good job. But hey, this is why we wait till the end. You never know. You never know. And I would just point out, Ted, just at the top here, that Pasco County, right next to Pinellas County, which is the same judicial uh, circuit and the same jury pool that um, uh, was brought to Orange County, Florida years ago to find a woman not guilty of murdering her child. I'm not going to mention any names, but uh, the little girl's name was Kaylee Marie Anthony. So, um, you know, that part of it, not, not surprising me because it, it just seems that jury pool in that part of this, in that part of the country, it's, it is Florida, but it's, you know, it's a part that, that is able to see reasonable doubt in, in circumstances where I have not necessarily seen the reasonable doubt, what do you think it was? Do you, do you think it was um, Chad Olson's actions, or do you think it was Curtis Reeves inside that courtroom? Right. Which Which of the two do you think was the deciding factor in in, in making this jury believe that this was a case of self defense? Was it, was it Curtis Reeves, his demeanor, the way he presented himself in court, or was it um, Chad Olson's actions that day? I think I think Curtis Reeves saved himself on the stand. I think that his answers of the, of the questions that were given to him, and, and frankly, I didn't think the cross was. And I remember at the time thinking the cross probably wasn't um, what they had hoped it would be. I think he withstood the pressure. He delivered that testimony in such a calm manner, and he was very professional. He, he's very alert. I mean, you know. He's 79, but he is absolutely with it 100% mentally. And they must, he, they connected. And, you know, you've been through it many, so have I many times in a courtroom. It's different being in a courtroom. You can pick up on the vibe and um, watching it on television is, is one thing. Being there is another. And that connection between jury and defendant is, it's just unique. And I, it, it must have been there. It must have, they for whatever reason, they, they, they lapped it up, took it in and, um, and they, they sided with them. So who knows? It's, it's hard to pinpoint. In my opinion, I think it was Curtis Reeves. I agree. I think it was Curtis Reeves. I think it was Curtis Reeves and he gets the benefit of the doubt because of his demeanor, his professionalism, um, the, the life that he had lived up until that point. I thought it was also significant that as an officer, he never shot anyone, never had to do that. So to me, that was a big plus. That was a big plus in his column that he wasn't someone who was 
trigger happy. He wasn't someone who was very aggressive, had any sort of history like that. And as much as the witnesses referred to him, or at least one witness referred to him as grumpy, none of that manifested itself in the courtroom or on the witness stand. No, he came across as being uh, sincere, articulate. He listened to every question. He wasn't combative with the state on cross. And and I think that maybe, you know, even with Rosenhauser's clothes from the state, he, he was sort of not making fun of Reeves, but he called him a liar several times. He didn't respect him on any level. And, and that you don't see, you have to almost go in if you're a prosecutor, but maybe the jury wanted a little bit of, well, come on now, you're beating up on this old man. Maybe that backfired a bit too. I don't know, but I thought the argument being made by the state that, listen, this was over popcorn. This was anger. The reason we know that is because three people that had never met each other before said the same thing immediately after that they heard Curtis Reeves say popcorn. If, if the jury believes any one of those three, the game is over. And they, they did it. They, and I don't know, I would love to interview a juror on this one to just see where their headspace was. Yeah, and this was six jurors. It wasn't 12, it was six. Not a, not a capital case. And down in Florida, you'll get six jurors in, in a trial like this. Let's take a listen to the, the defense. Uh, the, the defense team, after the verdict, um, uh, spoke with Court TV, spoke with Julie Janae at the courthouse here talking about Curtis Reeves taking the stand. There was never a question that Curtis Reeves was going to testify. You know, Curtis uh, has been in law enforcement all his years. Uh, he believes in the system, even though he was very disappointed uh, when we lost Sustain Your Ground. He was very disappointed initially when uh, the judge didn't give him a bond at the very beginning of this case, but we won that on appeal. Uh, but he's never wavered. He's always believed in the system. You know, as a law enforcement officer for 20, 27 years, uh, he believed in the system. And so, you know, I can tell you that, uh, you know, Curtis uh, has always told us that he wanted to tell his story. We are so grateful to this jury. Uh, this jury was attentive for three weeks uh, of, of a trial. Um, I could tell in closing arguments that they were really embracing uh, our theory of defense. And they knew that Curtis Reeves had not committed a crime and that he was merely defending himself. It's interesting that he talks about the closing argument and how he could feel the jury. And, and you get that feeling when you're making a closing argument. It's like when anytime you're speaking in front of a crowd, you can tell when they're with you. You can tell when they're when they're not with you. Uh, not that they're allowed to make any sort of audible noise, but you get that vibe. And what's really interesting, Ted, is that it's so polar opposite of the viewers. And it might be exactly what you were saying, the different vibe in the courtroom versus watching it on television, because there were people posting and posting and posting overwhelmingly, just shut up already with this de defense closing argument. Like they had enough, but um, they knew what was going on in the courtroom. They read the room and uh, were able to uh, convince them that this is a case of self-defense. Yeah, uh, you know, three hours on a close. I I don't know anyone that would ever advise um, someone to go for three hours and expect to hold someone's attention, but it worked. It worked in this case, and and he must have felt it. He was on. He kept going, kept going, kept going because he felt that connection. And wow, talk about a shocker! And you know, just. To me, I, I'm still, you know, just sitting here listening to that verdict being replayed. Um, 
I'm surprised every time, even though I, I've heard it now 20 times. And it was funny that night I was, I was talking with my guests, criminal defense attorneys and saying how surprising it was. And I said, well, not for you guys, right? Because you guys, when you try cases, this is more of the norm. But in general, in the cases I've covered at Court TV, hearing those two words is, is the exception. It's not the rule. You know, you might think, oh, it's about 50. It's not even close to 50-50 in, in terms of what the verdicts are. But now we've had a couple of high-profile self-defense cases, uh, Ted. And in both cases, um, you know, you, the defendants have just walked out of the courtroom. The jury said, yeah, those are justifiable homicides. And um, sometimes these don't sit well with people because inevitably they involve cases with guns, right? And and there's a certain faction of the population that just doesn't like guns and will never believe in a self-defense case involving a gun. And, and I don't know if that's part of what's what's going on in terms of the overwhelming response to this verdict, that people just aren't buying it, that you don't bring a gun to a movie theater. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to... to to gauge why people are so upset here because it's not like Kyle Rittenhouse, Kyle Rittenhouse. It was a, it was an even split, right? And it was before the case and after the case here, it was overwhelmingly people thought that he should have been convicted. Yeah. And again, it, it's, this is a head scratcher. The jury pool was obviously the one that the defense wanted. I don't know the numbers on gun ownership, but um, it, it just, it, it almost, I would, again, love to talk to him because what, is it a case of, yes, you should be able to defend yourself if you're over 65, which the defense made a big deal out of in the close, that he is different at the age he was at, he's different. He's different than you or I going to a movie theater and getting into an argument with someone and someone throws popcorn at you or I. This jury seemed to make that distinction. We're... This is looking out for the elderly, the, the weak, if you will. Um, and what on television, it didn't translate. Curtis Reeves seemed strong, he seemed large, he seemed with it. He didn't seem like a guy that was scared at all. Um, but the jury disagreed and, and they thought he was justified. And for me, the, the, the difficult part was this, the physical separation that I've been to movie theaters. I know what a movie theater's like, and to get from one road to the next, it takes a little more than just leaning over. So what is the realistic threat at that point? Uh, that's why I was reading it as anger, not fear. If he had jumped over, had literally jumped over, and not just leaned over with his arms, but had jumped over onto Curtis Reeves' aisle and kind of faced him up, okay, I, I, I would... I would understand perhaps you're seated and someone is standing over you right in front of you versus there's a row of chairs between you. You know, that, that was the part for me that I had a hard, diff, a hard time with the, the self-defense claim because he had a buffer. Yeah. And, and what if it was a cell phone that he threw at him and hit him in the head? What if it was a punch that he hit him in the head? Is that, does that mean that in society we can walk around with a loaded gun and, and pick fights, let's be honest, Curtis Reeves is the one that started this, which the prosecution pointed out in the close. He fit, started and finished it. You could go around, pick a fight, and if someone then returns, the if, if you work someone into a frenzy to the point where they strike you with something, you just pull out your gun that you have your hand on and kill them, and that's it? That's okay? 
that this jury sent a very strange message to the citizens of Florida. Yeah, absolutely. And and this is the the other shocking part. We covered another case in in that judicial district in Pinellas County with Michael Draca, who shot and killed a guy named Marquise McLaughlin. And in in that case, I saw so many similarities between the two cases because Michael Draca, and we've got a podcast on that, by the way. Check the show notes. We'll have a link for it for the Draca one. Michael Draca started the conflict, right? He started the argument because he was he was yelling at someone and approaching someone who had parked in a handicapped spot, but they didn't have the handicapped credentials. So he starts the argument with Marquise McLaughlin's girlfriend, the mother of his children, and when Mar- Marquise comes out of the out of the um, store and sees this man screaming at his girlfriend and his family, he shoves him. So the physical confrontation is started by the shooting victim, Marquise McLaughlin, but the whole situation was started by Draca. To me, that's exactly what we had here in the theater. The the situation is created by Curtis Reeves and, you know, yelling at the guy for the, the cell phone usage, but the physical confrontation was started by Chad Olson because he leans over and either throws a cell phone and uh, reaches and grabs his popcorn and throws it at him or just grabs the popcorn and throws it at him. Depends on on whose side you believe, but he clearly started the physical aspect of it. And in one case, um, Curtis Reeves goes home, but in the other case, Michael Draco, who then shot and killed Marquise McLaughlin while he was on the ground in, in any compromised position, he's in jail for 20 years. So, I always approach these self-defense cases with, well, who's starting the whole thing? Like, who started it? And and I just felt like Curtis Reeves started this and finished it, but the jury said it was okay. And both in both of those cases, the defendants had, they were self-appointed cops. Draco was the handicapped parking spot cop, and Reeves was the uh, cell phone in a movie theater cop. And I wonder if jurors in the Reeves case had known that other people surfaced saying, oh, Reeves did that to me in a different movie at a different time. Of course, the the jury was never allowed to hear that, if that would have changed their mind, if that would have accentuated the fact that, oh, yes, this dude was itching for a fight. He showed up to the movie theater with a loaded gun and started pestering people to turn their phones off. That might have made a difference. But you're right. There's so many similarities with those two cases, except for the verdicts. And let me tell you, if we ever track down that jury and they want to speak, that has to be question number one, Ted. Has to be question number one. All right, we're going to talk more about this shocking verdict. Curtis Reeves set free by the jury, not guilty on all counts. Uh, We'll talk about what he was doing the day after the verdict, which which is even more shocking than the verdict itself. That's next. Follow Court TV live over the air, uninterrupted. If you're watching television with an antenna, just rescan your channels now to add Court TV. And go to CourtTV.com to see the exact channel position and more ways to watch Court TV in your area. Well, this is an emotional case. Uh, and we had to be very, very careful because of the emotions of the case. You know, we have a certainly, and in, in, in our hearts go out to the Olson family, they've lost a husband, they've lost a father. Uh, we always had that at the forefront of our mind. However, 
uh, Curtis Reeves was innocent of this. He wasn't guilty. And I think this sends a message, and uh, I think it sends a message to the community uh, that, you know, we can't abuse the elderly. Uh, there's a statute uh, in Florida that protects the elderly. And I think that on January the 13th of 2014, that's what happened. Curtis was attacked. He was abused uh, by a much younger man. It should have never happened. Um, and so we're very, very happy that hopefully um, Mr. Reeves can uh, enjoy the remainder of his life, um, enjoying his wife, enjoying his travels, uh, because he has given a lot to this community. Elder abuse. That's um, the way they're, they're couching what happened to Curtis Reeves inside the movie theater when he shot and killed Chad Olson. Um, and that, that was their theory of the case. And, and the jury, you know, went with it. I wanted to pick up Ted, though, on that last statement. He said, I hopefully he can now enjoy the rest of his life. This verdict happened nine o'clock Friday night. Do you know, folks, what he was doing the next day, Saturday? He was walking his daughter down the aisle. The family planned the wedding for that Saturday. It was planned. It wasn't like, oh, he's found not guilty. Let's have a wedding. The wedding was scheduled for that Saturday. And Ted, first of all, your, your, your reaction to that entire situation, because it turns out the rehearsal dinner was in the Pasco County Courthouse, apparently. Yeah which was a great line that you uh, had during the live coverage. The, it, I was blown away when I heard that because I don't know if that means they went into this with such confidence that, well, let's have the wedding after the trial because then dad can be there. Um, it had to have been, right? I mean, otherwise the alternative is, that, well, let's have the wedding after the trial so that him going to prison is going to ruin your wedding. Uh, that is going to overshadow it. No, they, this family, the attorneys, everyone seemed to have so much more confidence than we did watching it. And a lot of our viewers did in terms of the ultimate conclusion of, of the not guilty verdict. And wow, what a difference that verdict made in so many people's lives from Nicole Olson to Curtis Reeves to his daughter, the newlywed. Yeah. And you think about the contrast in, in the cases, right? You've got on the one hand, the day after the verdict. Curtis Reeves walking his daughter down the aisle. Meanwhile, Nicole Olson has to go home to her daughter, who's probably about nine years old now, 10 years old, and know that, you know, whenever she decides to get married, dad is not going to be walking her down the aisle. And she was completely broken that night, absolutely broken. And, and that is tragic in and of itself. Yeah. You watching her just walk into the courtroom, the, amount of anxiety she was feeling clutching her mother before the verdict was read and then the heartbreak it was uh it touched a lot of people watching you know it touched me and i can't imagine what it felt like inside that courtroom uh the this was an eight-year battle that this family had to endure for this opportunity for justice and for it to end in this fashion for them had to be absolutely devastating and, and continues i'm sure and will for for many many years it's the nature of of trials right there's the victim side there's the defendant side but to me it was much more amplified in this case ted because nicole olson was there when this happened we know who shot and killed her husband 
So it, was, it wasn't a mystery. It wasn't a whodunit. Uh, and she was a witness to it. She saw it. And on the other side of, of the courtroom, Vivian, Curtis's wife of more than 50 years, she was there as well. She testified she didn't see as much as, as Nicole saw, but um, she was there for all of this as well. And the, the incredible contrast in the reaction where Nicole Olson, she was, she was um, an emotional mess before the verdict, when she came in for that moment, you could see her shaking. This is a woman who really um, has been so strong. And she testified about the moment that she's uh, holding and talking to her dying husband. She has to remain strong. And she's had to remain strong for eight years waiting to get to court. And you have to remain strong as a, as a single parent raising uh, your daughter after this incredible, incredible tragedy. Um, but I think it all just came to the surface in that moment for her. And then on the other side, it was smiles. It was high fives. It was phone calls. It was hugs. It, it was really an incredible contrast. Yeah. And I've seen a couple trials, been, been to a couple courtrooms where you had sort of Hatfields and McCoys where each side of the courtroom has polar opposite views and they have numbers, but, and this was a case where you had a packed courtroom and it was divided almost half and half supporters for Curtis and supporters for justice in this case, for the state. And um, it's, it, it adds a whole nother level of um, anxiety and, and feelings in that courtroom. And this one had to have been through the roof, the amount, of um, just anxiety for the for the Olson family and before and after the verdict. Now the other uh, side of the coin, just switching gears a little bit here, talking about the lawyering that took place here. The defense team, um, when we look back at this case, uh, did an amazing job on many levels, and that's not a reflection on what I think happened in this case. It's a reflection of my analysis of what they did as criminal defense lawyers and as a team for eight years. Um, they, every challenge they met, uh, and it began with getting him released on bond because if he's held without bond, first of all, it doesn't take eight years to get to trial. <laughs> it'll, it'll happen a lot quicker. Right. But he was out, uh, but he was confined to his home. So it's not like he would have been able to go to the wedding. Um, he was confined to his home. He can go to his home and I think he'd go to the supermarket and that was like it. But the, the job that they did every step along the way um, was pretty amazing. And then they brought it home and they, they mentioned afterwards how everyone like us, right. were telling them throughout, you're not going to win this case. You, you can't, what do you guys, why are you guys investing so much time in this? You can't win. And at the end of the day um, they did. Yeah. No, I, and the, <laughs> it's amazing. The um, amount of just, they were so aggressive from every point of it. And, and you could argue that they won before this thing even started with that eight year reprieve. Of, of, you know, a 71 year old man gets to stay home for eight years before his trial. That's a win. It's a big win. Um, and, and then to come out on top at the very end is it is absolutely amazing. And to your point, you know, you could for us on, on watching it on television, some people didn't like the style um, of the defense it was a bit long winded at times and, and over the top, but it worked. And it, and, and that strategy of it 
elongating everything. I mean, every little point of this case was just mulled over to the nth degree by this defense team. And it worked. It was, uh, it was amazing and good for them. And I must say, I think the prosecution did a very, very good job as well. Um, this was, this was as fun to watch from just a pure, um, spectator sport-ish, um, analyzing the lawyering trial that I've seen in a very long time, because when you get expert representation on both sides, there's nothing like it in a courtroom. The, the worst case scenario is when somebody's getting beat up because they're outmatched. This was a case of just two great teams going at it um, in a courtroom. So Curtis Reeves spoke after the verdict as well. And it was really that same demeanor that you heard on the witness stand that he had afterwards. He wasn't rubbing salt in the wounds. Uh, let's take a listen. It was a sad day for everybody on both sides. Uh, it never should have happened. I never wanted it to happen. I never planned for it. I never, never even in my wildest dreams ever thought anything like this would ever happen. And it, like I say, I, I feel as touching for them as I do for my own family. So he, he and again, there's different ways that people can react. And um, I, I thought that's about as, as subdued as someone who has just been found not guilty of murder could be. Um, under the circumstances, your take on, on Curtis Reeves afterwards, Ted. I thought he was just like he was in the trial. He's professional, articulate, well thought out. He's not a guy that you are going to hate, especially if you're in the courtroom after he took the stand. Maybe you, you would, you dislike him um, beforehand hearing the facts of the case and having him just sit there. Him taking the stand gave us, and I'm sure the jury, a window in to his mind. He is a straight shooter, law-abiding, a former retired cop man um, who is like a lot of people of his generation, uh, the good ones, you know. There's nothing bad about Curtis Reeves. Maybe a lot of people think there was, a lot of, there was something bad that he did that day, I'm included. But he is a person. I think that's what you, he is. He's married to Vivian. And he's got two kids and he's a former cop. He's that guy. And I think that helped him and that saved him because he took the stand for an extended period of time. And we heard it there at the end there. Someone who was not showboating. He's just, he's that person um, right later on. You know, his actions, that's another thing. Him as a character, I don't think he's a bad person. And I don't think the jury did either. Yeah. And, and thinking back to comparing him with uh, Michael Drake, that might be the big difference. Draco was, he was, he was, you didn't get a sense that he was uh, a good guy. You didn't get a sense that he was a productive member of society, an upstanding citizen, a reasonable person. There was something that was just a little off with him and that whatever was off with him, um, I think may have rubbed the jury one way and Curtis Reeves and, and his life and what he's done for all these years, I think had an impact and, and his level of, and, and I'm going to use this word, not in a, in a, in a derogatory way, but his maturity is, is not his age so much, but his level headedness, I think. And, and to me, 
as I look back on this, when I, when I look back on this case, that's the part that I, I can't square up is the Curtis Reeves who seems so level-headed everywhere else, but clearly did not seem that way in the movie theater to the other witnesses. And it really seems, Ted, at the end of the day, this jury discounted those eyewitnesses who were there that day, who I always looked at as the original jury in this case. They were the original jury. They had to make a decision. They actually saw what happened and they made a judgment that it wasn't right. Uh, But this jury in a courtroom um, saw that it was right, that it was right what he did, that it was a justifiable homicide, that Chad acted in a way that he deserved to be shot and killed. That's that when you when you're claiming self defense, that's what the law says we're doing. Yeah. And it, again. Wait, let it, me describe Ted right now. Ted is just like beside himself. His head is shaking, shaking, shaking his my head, head um, because of the circumstances of this shooting. Yeah, and was it justifiable to kill another human being over this? It's hard to get your head around. And I do, but I do think that whole character. So now, and, and the other thing is now, and we're seeing it play out time after time on court TV, defendants taking the stand. I argue that the moment a defendant goes up on the stand, everything is out the door, no matter what the jury has heard. Now it becomes an evaluation of the defendant and their story. How truthful are they? What kind of a person are they? Do I believe them? I forget about all the other witnesses and all the other nonsense. They wipe it out and it's rolling the dice. It's going for the Hail Mary. Um, we're seeing it more and more. And in a self-defense case, boy, I think you have a pretty good chance. And I think Curtis Reese proved that they they liked him. And because they liked him, they forgot about everybody else. Yeah. I don't know what else I can add to that, Ted. Ted Rollins, ladies and gentlemen, he is the morning anchor on Court TV every day, 9 a.m. That means he wakes up at what, 4 a.m.? As far as you know, yes. Yeah, about 4 a.m. Because he's got to get the, because he's an anchor. The hair has to be just right, folks. You can't go on the air if the hair is a little bit off. So it takes some time. (laughs) Ted, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thank you, Vinny. All right. When when we come back, I want to talk about the the big lesson. The big lesson learned uh, from this trial, from this case end from this verdict. For more Court TV, watch it on cable, over the air, Roku, or go to CourtTV.com and stream live gavel-to-gavel coverage. Catch up on the big moments from our current cases and relive some of Court TV's most historic trials. Court TV, your front row seat to justice. So Curtis Reeves is found not guilty. Curtis Reeves lives the rest of his life. Um, But Chad Olson doesn't. Chad Olson died that day eight years ago. And I've equated this story a a few times to road rage. And I think there are some similarities and some parallels. And I just think it is part of the world we live in now. Now, this is not, do not take this as even close to some sort of anti-gun rant, because it is not, okay? I've read the Constitution, I believe in our Constitution, and I think I understand it better than uh, some folks do. This has nothing to do with that. This has to do with the reality of our world right now. Um, 
our world is very tense and our world is very divided and people are just very reactive. People are very emotional. And, and I think we all, to protect ourselves, this is about self-preservation. We all need to always take a step back. And I remind myself as well, whether it's when you're driving down the road and someone you think cuts you off on purpose or, or even does something on purpose, you got to let it roll off your back. Somebody tells you to turn off your cell phone in the movie theater, as nasty as that person is, as aggravating as it is, let it roll off your back. And the reason I say that is anytime we have some sort of negative interaction with a stranger, you have no idea who they are, what kind of day they're having, and what they're carrying in their waistband. You just don't know. You just don't know. And I, I think today more than any day, think twice, think three times about what, where you want this to go and, 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 and what it means. The, the escalation of silly situations, unfortunately, I've seen way too many times in my years at Court TV. Silly, silly. Whether he, he, the road rage is the is the usually the number one culprit where we scream at strangers for stupid things. I've been screamed at for accidentally cutting someone off or accidentally going too slow in the wrong lane. Yeah, I get it. It's aggravating. Um, but I, I I I've taught myself because of watching these cases and these trials to let it roll off my back. I mean, what's what's the end game for all of this? What's the end game? Someone's screaming at you for doing something, whatever it is. Let them scream. Don't elevate it because you don't know who that person is. You don't know what kind of day they're having, and you don't know what's in their waistband. And, um, you know, for whatever it's worth, people um, are acting and reacting the way they are. And things, things that don't need to be dangerous become dangerous situations. And that was always the headline with this case was someone was shot in a movie theater because of an argument about texting. And really that's what it was. You can say it was elder abuse. You can say it was something else, whatever, but that's how the whole thing started. And Curtis Reeves didn't do anything to de-escalate it, which means if you're Chad Olson, and I'm not blaming Chad Olson, the victim at all in this, uh, the jury is. The jury said he was at fault. I'm not. But you don't know that guy. You don't know why he's so grouchy. You don't know what he's got in his pocket. And anytime you, you, act to escalate something it's not gonna what 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 good could possibly what good was going to come out of throwing popcorn in curtis reeve's face you know that's that's you know you've got a little girl at home and again not blaming the victim i'm saying self-preservation to protect ourselves from people who will take drastic action unnecessarily which is what i think curtis reeves did that day jury did not agree I don't have to agree with the jury.
I watch the same evidence. I can come to my conclusion, um, and they can come to their conclusion. And then that's the way our system works. But um, it was shocking, folks. It was shocking for, for many folks. And to me, that's the lesson. Self-preservation. Don't wait for someone else to de-escalate. <laughs> you do it to save yourself and to save your family. All right, folks, uh, that's it for this week. I hate to leave you on a down note like that, but, I, you know, it's such a tragic thing and a shocking uh, verdict. You know, I think we hopefully can learn something from all of it. So it's not all for naught, you know? I don't know. We'll see. But anyhow, check the show notes. You can check out the Draca case there. Uh, we've got Draca on CourtTV.com. It's on demand. You can watch that trial compared to this one. Obviously, you can watch this one as well. Um, if you don't have Court TV, we are a television network. You can watch my show every night, 8 o'clock Eastern. Uh, if you have a digital antenna, please rescan it so you can find our, our channel. And uh, I will see you next week. I'm Vinny Politan. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to hug the kids. This podcast is a production of Court TV. Go to CourtTV.com for more content, trials on demand, and to find out how to watch Court TV in your area.